to just like constantly. Like, I've got a massive tongue, so trying to find my tonsils without. Oh, is this without, you doing the swab? Yeah, without without it hitting my tongue. I was, I was constantly going. Ugh, ugh. Just remember how you used to take Tom in your mouth. And there's no and chance. Would... Absolutely no chance. I'd I'd, I'd paint his testes. Hello and welcome to the Too Much Time on Our Hands podcast. If you're joining us on the YouTube stream, hello, wave, everyone, wave. You're already waving. Good work, good work. Hello and welcome and thank you very much for joining us. If you're listening to us on the audio version of the podcast, awesome. Thank you so much for listening to us. You can also watch us as well. Who knew? It's amazing. Anyway, we is, of course- I, I, Tom, I hate to stop you there, but Tom... Dan thinks he's being a sexy cat, and I don't know how to deal with that. Tom told me I had to do this last week, so now I'm doing it, okay? I'm doing as I'm told, like a good little worker bee, okay? Yeah. He's very good. He does, what, he does what daddy tells him. It's all good. Uh, okay, so yeah, anyway, we are the Too Much Time on Our Hands team, the awesome foursome. We're just going to go round and round in order. Russ, hello. <clears throat> things. Dan, hello. Howdy. Duncan, hello. Bonsoir. And I am Tom. Hello. Nice to meet you. So if you've seen on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, you will have seen that tonight we are going to be covering our epic World Cup of TV themes. The, the Sorry, the semi-finalists. So that's four. The four TV themes. And Dan's <clears> been doing loads of research. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive into those themes. So with no further ado, I'm not going to wank on. I'm going to hand you over straight over to Dan, 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 do Dan, 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 do Dan, 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 Dan. Yeah, anyway, that might be a clue to something that made it through the final four. Before you go too heavy on the the jokey names, you can't actually see them. Okay, well, I had fun. People can't see them on the thing. Not not Dan and Tom's tonight because they weigh the little frame thing around the outside. Do you know what? Just for you, I'll turn it off for a little bit. There we go. Yay. Yay. I must you not. Okay, cool. Uh, so we, yeah, deep dive into the four theme tunes that made it. We will be revealing the ones that made it as we go through. Um, very exciting. I like all of these theme tunes. I'm very happy about them. Uh, and we're going to have a little chat about each one, what we like about each one as well, why we think it's made it, and the, the deep dive into the history of each one as well, which might be long in some cases and might be a lot shorter in some other cases <laughs> as well. Depending on how long the relevant Wikipedia pages are. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Uh, I'd like to reel my sources. Wikipedia. Yeah. No, there's there's loads of other sources. I've I've done a load of homework today, so I've got I've got the <clears throat> some stuff from the Red Dwarf Wiki fandom. Well, let's start there then, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well why don't why don't why don't we reveal the four? Why don't we reveal our four semi finalists okay. and uh, we'll go we'll go from there. So Dan, do the honours. Okay. So I'm gonna bring up the uh the what's it called the bracket thing yeah. as it is as a quarterfinal so i haven't revealed anything yet so. okay cool so uh the first film the uh, tv series that made it was red dwarf which beats um the a team i, I can see it this is slightly unfair you <laughs> yeah. have to remember yeah. <laughs> the a team uh the next one was the fresh prince of bel-air that beats the mandalorian Oh uh, yeah, plucky, plucky young upstart, the Mandalorian. Did all right, the Mandalorian. I'm quite chuffed mm. with this with a quarterfinal. Birth. That's by far the newest thing on there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no by, by by quite a way. Well, it dared to have a theme tune, which most modern series don't really. So I think the next, I mean, just looking, the next youngest thing was probably Game of Thrones. Very much cementing this as a World Cup of TV theme tunes, liked by <clears> mainly British people about our age. We'll, we'll we'll get to why that potentially is when one of the actual composers talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, then Cheers lost out to Doctor Who, which I think, you know, Cheers, that was, that was a fairly good run, but you're up against a juggernaut in Doctor Who there. Uh, and then finally, The X-Files narrowly lost out to The Simpsons. Do you know what? And that was the one for me that I was watching with almost mm-hmm. bated breath because yeah. that, was, that was 50-50. That was really close, that one. And then mm-hmm. it just, just tipped. Yeah, it was yeah. like the... Uh, it was like the the EU referendum all over again. <laughs> yeah, except apart from not anywhere near as controversial. And you know what? Much better thought out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, oh. hard Brexit take there. Oh, damn, um, so edgy. And there are justifiable reasons why The Simpsons got through. Yeah, and we didn't fuck fishermen as well, so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there is that as well. Um, so, let's start then. Red Dwarf. Well, so, that, so that gives us our, our semi-final yeah. matchups that will be yeah. running over the next week or so of yeah. Yeah. Red Dwarf versus Doctor Who. Yeah. Fresh Prince versus The Simpsons. Yeah, you're much better at this than I am, Russ, so thank you. I, I don't know about better. It's more just I can literally see it. It's on the screen right in front of me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've got it on the screen in front of me as well, though. So It's an unfair advantage. Let's just call it an unfair advantage. So let's start then, shall we? Let's get into deep dives. Let's start with Red Dwarf. I think Red Dwarf is probably all of our favourite here, right? Like yeah, and I mean, it probably of. has been since I was about seven. Okay. <laughs> when so, did Red Dwarf start? A while ago. Time quite, ago. Quite, uh, you know, I didn't actually write that down. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got it here. There you go. Me, yeah, this is the software uh, flying 1988. Start. There you go. 1988. So we were, we were about sort of six or so when yeah. Red Dwarf started, which is probably about, about the right age to start getting <clears> into it. So the Red Dwarf... <laughs> probably scared the shit out of me when i was a kid i remember that much yeah. um oh yeah yeah definitely um not even so much a kid like uh the the legion episode particularly scared the shit out of me yeah there was legion, quite, that's like quite series, intense ones, that's series six isn't it yeah a teenager <laughs> kid whatever <laughs> well no i must have got in like i must have must have been started like in 91 series mm. four and mm. then obviously there was replays and just watched them back but mm. series four would have probably been my uh, thing. What? One of my favourite stories is um, is Patrick Stewart uh, on the BBC's Red Dwarf Night a long time ago, which I remember watching at the time. Oh, I, I watched had, that. I, yeah, I had an awful fever and I was lying in bed in my parents' room and they'd let me lie in there because there was a telly. So I was lying there and I'd watch the whole thing from start to finish in a sort of state of delirium. But the one thing that crystal clear stands out for me is Patrick Stewart saying the first time he saw Red Dwarf, mm. he was just about to pick up the phone to his lawyers mm. to say that there's a there's a TV show in Britain taking the piss out of the fine establishment of sci-fi that Star Trek has laid down. And he said, over the course of the next five minutes, he started pissing himself laughing. And any hostility towards it melted away. Mm. And it became a firm favourite. And actually, he said it was about time someone mm. did something like this. After after the research that I've done today, and we'll, we're going to try and stick to the theme tune because there is almost certainly going to be a whole episode on Red Dwarf at some point. Mm. But after the research I've done today, there is no question that probably next thing on my list is to go back and watch all the episodes of Red Dwarf. Because I haven't watched anything after series nine, I want to say. It, it goes a bit shit at the end. <laughs> it does. I don't, I, I got, I don't, I'm not that averse to the, the more recent stuff that's been done on Dave. That's mm. actually been quite good. Mm. But the, um, I mean, we can go to the time. Yeah. It, it, it lost the plot. Yeah. when it was anything other than Lister being the only human left. That yeah. was the entire, that is the USP, the entire underpinning of the entire show. Well, so when all the fucking rest of the crew come back and Kachansky comes back, it completely loses all meaning. Let's use that to segue into the actual theme tune then, because the theme tune itself is meant to be about being somewhere you wish you were rather than, it's, it's, not, a, it's not. not a theme tune that's, that's, it's, there are other theme tunes that we're going to talk about. The, the, you know what they are. The Fresh Prince theme tune, for example, tells you the plot of the, the TV series, whereas the Red Dwarf <laughs> theme tune doesn't tell you the plot of the TV series. It tells you the mindset of the main character of the TV series. Um, so the composer of the Red Dwarf theme tune was Howard Goodall. And he got into composing theme tunes when he met um, uh, Rowan Atkinson and Richard Curtis at Oxford University uh, when they invited him to write the theme tune to Not the Nine O'Clock News. So he, he then went on to um, write theme tunes such as The Thin Blue Line, Vicar of Dibley, Mr. Bean, QI, Blackadder. That was the second theme tune I think he wrote was Blackadder. Yeah. So uh, some hits, some misses. <laughs> a lot of hits, though, to be fair. A lot of Rowan Atkinson stuff as well. I, I don't like the QI theme tune. <sighs> I mean, that was I later just, on. I just don't. So when you, you... I saw an interview with him, like half an hour talking about Red Dwarf, and it was just so much fun um he wrote the theme tune he played it to the cast uh and they believed it to be a rough cut with a deli- with deliberately silly lyrics uh and then it turns out the final version is almost identical <laughs> when it was released uh, he specifically 
he said that the one thing he wanted to do when he wrote the Red Dwarf theme tune was sit down and write something that isn't specifically funny because he doesn't want to take the piss. He wants to let the show do all the funny stuff. And the other thing he said was he didn't want to write anything that was deliberately sci-fi at the time. He says he said that if you write something that is the, the, the big issue that sci-fi often has is if you write something that sounds sci-fi with synths and whatever, then that immediately becomes dated within two years. So what mm-hmm. he wanted to do was write something that was already retro, already nostalgic. Um, so he came yeah, up with the idea... That's of, very yeah. true, because the, the only other way you go is like Star Trek and go sort of yeah. orchestral and classic. Yeah, and he does does a bit of that as well. Like the actual opening part of the theme tune is that. That's his... Yeah, especially in the first few yeah. series, that's actually that's sort of the yeah. main lead in, isn't it? But it's it's still it's still connected. It's still the same tune as the actual theme tune as well. Like it connects so nicely to it. So are we are we um, are we talking about the the version with the lyrics, or are we talking about the version without? Because obviously, yes, the hmm. version without. Yeah, we're, we're talking about all of them. They yeah. all okay. count, and they yeah, all yeah. count because they are technically yeah. just variations. Yeah. Does of the they same are thing. all they all variations of actually the same song. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So the um, the point of that was that, as you said, he wanted to write an intro that then said it was sci-fi, said it was a bit orchestral, basically, and wanted to do something a bit epic, a bit two thousand and one-y. Um, I thought it was meant to like also represent to fit with the the size of the ship it was yeah. meant to be grand because red dwarf was meant to be huge yeah so it fits perfectly with the first scene when you see like cleaning the um the actual red dwarf sign and it just gets mm. bigger and bigger and then you see the white of the red dwarf sign and then you see the fact that that is just covering the bit that says red dwarf and it <laughs> expands yeah. further and you see this giant mining ship oh, the, the original yeah. design of the ship is so where it's got like yeah. an asteroid just stuck in it <laughs> and it's like a little it's like a little lumpy little fist type yeah that's oh, so Whereas good again they ruined it in the later series for making it all long and sleek and too cool looking so yeah he says he didn't want to fall into a trap of making it sound dated which i don't think he does i think that's the best thing about it uh so as a result what he wanted to do was make a theme that was deliberately retro from the start so settling on a 60s style he said um influenced he thought it, it, like it's such an upbeat theme tune. He went with like Phil Spector and his wall of sound kind of <laughs> feeling for it. And it really is that. Mm. Um, he, and- he, did, he didn't start recording it by threatening people with a gun. <laughs> no, no. You will play this many times. <laughs> no, Howard Goodall seems like he's got his head screwed on a bit straighter than Phil Spector did. Um, so he, he goes into detail about how you create that sound. He's... Um, this documentary is like it's half an hour YouTube video and it's amazing on the Red Dwarf theme tune. Basically, uh, it goes into a technique about doubling the bass, like so it's, it's just like octaves for the bass, but in that and that creates this massive sound. He does that about six times to make this big echoey feel. Um, so he specifically wanted a song which, um, wouldn't be possible nowadays. He specifically wanted it to be this one minute long song and he said at some point the rules changed like theme tunes were allowed to be a minute long and incredibly descriptive whereas now 25 seconds and you're going to have talking over to the top of that 25 seconds anyway red dwarf wouldn't necessarily exist nowadays although game of thrones kind of changed the rules there a bit didn't they because that is an epic intro it did a, it did yeah. a bit yeah there's, there's there's quite a lot of um like the sort of the netflixification of things yeah. and the skip intro button has sort of ruined theme tunes and even yeah. when it's like glow had an mm. awesome animated intro yeah. for the first series and then that got dumped to like a five second sting yeah going forward he um so he wrote the lyrics as a guide apparently and then they just used them they just really liked they really liked the idea that he said after seeing some of the scripts he goes list is always talking about like fiji and like how he'd love to be in fiji rather than on this giant mining ship with a dickhead hologram he didn't say that i added that bit but He's going to yeah. live on Fiji and he's yeah. going to have a sheep and a goat and breed horses. Yeah. And the whole thing is like it, it, the, he played... With a sheep and a goat. No, with horses and horses. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about how there's there's actually a fifth and a sixth verse to the Red Dwarf theme tune. It just goes further into this idea of just this, this horrible, like almost like Brits on the piss abroad kind of kind of feeling <laughs> like how he's going out in the sun, his nose is peeling, but he doesn't care. And, and it's Would like... You- 
Yeah. Would you like some of them? Yes. I want to yeah. taste lobsters and coconuts. I want to swim nakedly, get quite drunk in several wooden huts. Fun, fun, fun. It's definitely less polished sun, lyric, sun. Though, isn't it? I think swim Green quite wood. nakedly isn't grammatically yeah. solid. <laughs> I want to sprawl, shipwrecked and comatose. I want some sand on my bum. Goldfish holes <laughs> nibbling at my toes. Fun, fun, fun. In the, anyway, uh, yeah. you should look it up. The, the other lyrics are brilliant. There are multiple. The funny um, thing is, though, the sand up my bum bit is like... I mean that's the whole point of Rimmer, like yeah. is to put is to make sure that Lister basically spends the rest of his life sane because he feels like he's got sand up his crack because he's got Rimmer all the time. <laughs> so uh, singing it oh, is no. someone called Jenna Russell. He uh, worked with Jenna Russell on a musical previously, and he picked her because she has a deliberately Ronnie Spector esque voice, and she really does. Like I'd never even thought about it as like a Phil Spector esque tune. But it really is. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, he deliberately picked her and he played her and she loved it. But he played her at a tone lower than he actually wanted to perform it. So, like, <clears throat> when she comes in, she's really straining her voice to get that right. Like, and it, 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 you can kind of hear it, but she still just nails it. Like, she's got such a perfect voice that like, you can't imagine anyone else singing it. It's it's just really really great theme tune and and the more I dived into it the more I kind of loved it as well and the more that I saw that this was something that he was obviously incredibly proud of that that kind of helped as well so then he, he he talks also about like um, how he did a lot of like any time they wanted like incidental music and he did most of the score for Red Dwarf like um, he would initially in the first couple of series they'd be like okay something action is happening so can you do something based around the theme tune for this uh something sad's happening can you do something based around the theme tune for this and then as the seasons went on they'd, they'd come up to him and go um could you do as a version of the neighbors theme that's actually about androids <laughs> and, and stuff like that <laughs> um but it's still like you've listened to it it's still got a bit of the red dwarf theme tune in it and he says like uh, after that the rules became stricter so you couldn't do things like that um but he did at that point get an orchestra which um just changed everything he said um in season four, he got to do the theme tune with like an Elvis style or Rimmer, Rimmer doing it on an organ. And he says he just got to have a load of fun with like playing around with different organ sounds to make it sound as shit as possible, basically, for Rimmer doing it like it was the organ practice. The Hammond organs. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, series seven, he used a full orchestra for like a variety of things. And he said that's when it really kind of kicked up a notch and it felt started to feel cinematic. Um, it's it's just such a great theme tune and like you can tell he had a ton of fun he sang the rimmer munchkin song uh, uh he it's it, such a good song it's such a great song and he didn't write the lyrics i don't think but he the goal was to make it sound he said he could have done it in a disney way but he wanted to make it sound really pompous oh and like so he to write the lyrics didn't uh, he did he do the whole thing he was given yeah. like he was given like the original lyric of like certain things that rhyme and he goes it's utterly ridiculous and i kind of loved it so i kind of oh, went i love with it because it. it's all yeah. the things that rimmer's proud of like he's also <laughs> a fantastic swimmer yeah. you know? yeah. <laughs> he's not bald so his head doesn't glimmer yeah so like he wanted to make it sound like a police chorus style song and it just absolutely nails it like i went back and listened to that that's great he he wrote the basic part of tongue tied went away for a weekend and saw that uh, daddy john jules and craig charles had turned it into a whole song after spending a weekend in a recording studio like turning it into a whole thing um, and then danny john jules released it yeah and he didn't know about it he, he came back and goes what happened to that song that danny was going to release and he goes it's number 17 in the charts <laughs> so he goes so I went to hmv and bought it <laughs> um but yeah like the thing that really appealed to me was wasn't just the fact that this theme tune is is excellent and i mentioned before we started he says like when they brought the electric guitar bit in for when they put it into the intro um he said he said to him i want it to sound i want it to just go nuts at the end and i want it to like just sound like discordant and like almost as if list is playing the guitar basically um and he says you can't do that with session musicians because they always just get things perfect so like 
so he said it sounds sounds kind of crazy but his idea of crazy is still within the parameters of what the song sounded like what he originally wanted was just this completely crazy mess at the end of the theme tune yeah it's, it's still competently played exactly the yeah it's <laughs> probably not what they were thinking and says one of his regrets was not just getting some guy off the street in to, to do it <laughs> just say so, like just go crazy at the end but yeah um i fell in love with the red dwarf theme tune all over again this afternoon and i absolutely love it like there's part of me that was wondering whether it deserved its place in this top four. When you Heresy. see when you see the other names, but then you saw how much effort's been put into it, and you see that every one of the theme tunes that's made it is very different as well, which I'm I mean, very if, excited about. If this had been tossed off on the back of an envelope in 30 seconds, it would still be just as good. I mean, it pretty much was. Mm-hmm. Like he he wrote this very quickly. Well, a lot but of good things are. I mean, it, it is just cracking. Yeah. It fits the show perfectly. Yeah, it's just a great sing along. It fits the show perfectly whilst also not fitting it at all, which is just great. Mm-hmm. Like which it, is why yeah. it fits the show perfectly, yeah. because the whole thing is basically a bunch of misfits. Yeah. Like, just... it. Lister is not your typical hero. No. Rimmer is far from being heroic. The cat is just an evolutionary nightmare. And then bringing Crichton in later on is like a neurotic ocd <laughs> android he also he also said he loved doing the ace rimmer stuff as well like he says he he got to do like a bit of top gun in there and he liked that oh, I love that. oh so, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the rimmer episode there is yeah. the sort of boom 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 i'll be back for breakfast but, uh, yeah i used that in the panto before so <laughs> i wish I, I could bongo but lunch is on Melly. <laughs> nice. uh, Richard Biddle says the first eight series are on Netflix, so I might start it tonight even, is what I'm thinking. Start working my way through it again tonight. I mean it's, it's just it's just amazing. It is I will really say good. I use this as a little lullaby. Well not even a lullaby. Sometimes I just sing it anyway because Villain sings it now. So for me it was a no brainer that this was going to I was always going to vote for it. It was always it's going just, to be when, there. When you mm. take a look, a step back and look at Red Dwarf, it like it shouldn't have succeeded. No, mm. you know, it was a zero budget sci-fi that managed, in a lot of respects, to look as good as some proper serious films at mm. the time. Like it nails its aesthetics so well. Mm. You know, if there was to be a British company operating a mining vessel, yeah. That is exactly what it would look like. And it would just be all <laughs> shitty and scummy and horrible. Yeah. It's yeah. got such a great, like, used... You know, it looks like something from Alien. It's yeah. not trying to be sleek and cool at all. You could... You you've, could... Got, you've got, like, the, the sole representative of humanity who is the last possible person that anyone would choose. I, and they, yeah. even, they even did stuff like that, you know, they've decided there's no like, there's no aliens in it. Yeah. I mean, they kind of bend the rules a little bit sometimes with gelfs and things like that, but... You know, they, it's literally there's just nothing. Mm. It's just him on his own with these complete bastards around him, and <laughs> he's never ever going to get back to Earth or meet anyone new ever. Yeah, yeah. that's just so. Good. You know, like if Star Trek went, yeah, but they're not going to meet any other people, and yeah. there's going to be no aliens, and there's only four of them, and only one of them's alive and a human. I, I kind of find it hard. To, I, I know there's people that aren't in love with it, and that's fair enough. But oh, you know, some people are idiots. It's not what you can do about it. <laughs> I just like that theme tune alone should be enough to say that you, you're probably going to enjoy what you're about to watch. It's difficult to listen to that and not have a smile on your face. Yeah. It's, uh, the, the only one that makes me feel the same way these days is the Brooklyn Nine Nine music, which is quite similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's just like you know what, I'm going to enjoy this. And also with the visual link of actually between those two is that Brooklyn Nine-Nine uses clips from the show really well to introduce mm. the characters. And actually the Red Dwarf theme was always set to really, really good moments yeah. from that series. Yeah, well. I used to get so at the start of the first episode when you see the Red Dwarf where they change all the clips that were in the, yes. the intro. And you haven't seen those episodes. You're like, oh, look at that. Yeah. True, really true, story, true story about Red Dwarf. Uh, it made me quit Scouts. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was on a Friday nights, and that's when I had scouts. I'm like, oh, I can't bother with that. I'm gonna watch Red Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, nine o'clock BBC Two. Yeah. yeah, you have chosen wisely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we ready to move on? The next one. Oh yeah. 
reluctantly, I suppose. Yeah, we're better. <laughs> uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, and there's, there's some other. There's some other. Yeah, three com- com- competitors. Still three in other this, but... theme tunes that were probably. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> the Fresh Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and it's the only song on the list that contains the basic plot of the show in the theme tune. Um, so, and that happens a lot in theme tunes as well, particularly American shows that happened a lot. Uh, so. Yo, Home to Bel Air is the actual title of the Fresh Prince theme. It's, oh, really? it's rumoured that the music was at least partially written by Quincy Jones. Um, but Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff knocked this out in 15 minutes. So um, Will Smith was on tour with Jazzy Jeff when he went to uh, audition for a show that was being put on on NBC. Uh, and from then on, it kind of spiralled into the, well, Will Smith can write the theme tune. So he took, took the idea back with him to jazzy jeff and that evening they just went into a studio and knocked out the whole theme tune pretty much and brought it back now this is something i never considered this fresh prince of bel-air was a tv series containing a black teenager that was replacing alf uh, and it was the first thing on primetime tv that had hip-hop in the theme tune and that was surprisingly a big deal um because up until then people didn't know that there was a difference between two live crew and will smith like the idea that hip-hop I mean, can be like in terms of a tame. gentle introduction to the yeah. world of hip-hop i mean this is this is very much going in at the shallow end yeah like this is probably i would imagine this would be in the top 10 most famous hip-hop songs around the world i suppose if, yeah if you categorize it in that yeah like as a, it was, a I, song then yeah probably yeah. it was only released in two countries, it was released like Spain in and, yeah, Spain and Netherlands. Yeah, and Netherlands, they fucking love this theme. That's the thing that came across when I was when I was reading up on this. Uh, it reached. Did you like released as a single in those countries? Yeah, yeah. It was. It's the only place you can buy the soundtrack on CD is the Netherlands, um, um, which surprises me because it is so so memorable and so popular, and it is par- used everywhere like hmm. it's so parodies but anyway sorry i don't think of an occasion I, I don't think any one of us can say hand on heart that we haven't been drunk at some point and tried singing along to it everyone thinks they know the lyrics perfectly don't exactly, they? And you probably yeah. do if you have a pencil and a paper in 10 yeah. minutes to think about it and you're not six points in exactly yeah but i think everyone at some point tries singing along to the fresh prince theme tune because i don't know if my dad's tried it at karaoke yet but i think uh, he, he has probably to. nail it, it that to. would be the challenge I'm yeah i'm gonna message him okay say that he's got to do this yeah sorry that's all right i mean you could do it after the pod I'm not going to do it now. Sorry, <laughs> I thought you, were, just, you look like you're getting up to leave. I've got to go and do this now. It's very important. <laughs> you you go. walk out the door, show us here a car start. <laughs> Eight hours later. Oh, I might as well see Dan. <laughs> what are you doing? Why well, have you been podcasting for eight hours? Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, you've gone out of focus, Duncan. That's right. I prefer him like that, don't I? There he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, like... I never thought about the, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme tune being culturally significant, but it, it actually is. Like, it's, it's well, a like, really big deal. Definitely, I, I would call it culturally significant, but not. it would never occur to me that it's culturally significant in the sense of introducing large sections of the demographics of the world to the concept of hip-hop. That literally never occurred to me. The funny thing is that, that I, I've... I've I read the Wikipedia article about this before this, and I saw at the bottom it said reception-wise there was an MTV article Mm. that said something along the lines of um, that the show wrapped 20 years ago Mm. and people are still spouting the lyrics from it. It shows just how significant a song this was. And also I was interested to know that the actual name of the song, it's informally known as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but it's actually called Yo Home to to Bel-Air, isn't it? It's, yeah. 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 So, like, um, Andy Borowitz, one of the show's creators, describes it as one of those scenes when um, when a young teenager comes in with a hip-hop record and he sits there, nods and smiles, and goes, yeah, I'm sure that's good, <laughs> uh, like when he first heard it. Um, and it really was. Like, the thing I'll, I'll always say about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme tune is I couldn't tell you the plot of a single episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but I could probably get 80% of the lyrics to the theme tune right. Mm. <laughs> which I think says an awful lot about how important that theme tune actually is. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for me was one of those shows that I would always watch on BBC Two and have no idea where in the continuity that episode was, but would always find it funny. Yeah, same. 
you know, invariably. I mean, I, I don't remember ever watching an episode that didn't make me laugh, even when they did some of their more critically acclaimed kind of um, more serious episodes yeah. that dealt with, well, you know, all sorts of serious subjects, really. Ready ready for, to, for the list of who's covered the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme tune? Oh, Jesus. It is <laughs> it. a list of bellends that is re- <laughs> redeemed by the last two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Ed Sheeran's done a cover of it, which oh, I fuck. never want you. to hear. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Bellend. Lonely Island. Okay. Logic. Okay. Uh, One Direction did a version of it as well, apparently. Okay. I'm morbidly curious about that. The, ver- I... the version that redeems it all. Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street did a version of it. Kick ass. Mm. Yeah. So um, that kind of redeems uh, everything. Any really. other good ones? I mean, Lonely Island. It's not so bad. It's uh, Lonely Island did it uh, when they did like a Will Smith mix or something. It was a medley, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Jimmy Fallon did it when he was dressed as Neil Young, which makes it ten times worse. Fuck off, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, um, God, I hate Jimmy Fallon. I do as well, right? I don't know what it is about him. He's just... Oh, I know what it is. He kind of supported Trump till it wasn't cool. Um, that, that'll be <laughs> it. Um, I think... As I say, I think... Um, the, the, the theme tune is something that people know better than the actual TV series, and that surely is the mark of a great TV series. Okay. Um, maybe not necessarily the mark of a great TV show, but I think people would argue that it is actually a pretty great TV show as well. Um, a couple of comments. Rich Biddle said, also depends which version they play. I'm assuming you mean the Fresh Prince theme tune, because that can go on for about five minutes, depending on which version you listen to. Uh, Dan says, Fresh Prince was something I only watched because I was waiting for Star Trek to come on. And man from my own heart there, because that's kind of why I watched The Fresh Prince as well. It's like, <laughs> next gen's on soon. Yeah, it, was, it was earlier, wasn't it? It was like yeah. 6.30 or something. Mm. Yeah, so I'd watch that waiting for next gen to come on and see Patrick Stewart grace my TV screens. Uh, also, I didn't quit Scouts. God, the, the hardship <laughs> of the pre-video on demand era. It's pretty hard to believe we made it through, isn't it? I know, well, there, was a lot, there was a lot of waiting, wasn't there? There was a lot of, lot of just sitting around watching I mean, every, every generation has their thing, you know, First World War, was... Second World War, having to wait for shit to show up on TV <laughs> at a time when they decided, not when you decided. Yeah. But this we, is we why were all people yeah. had video recorders and you set the timer. I mean, I'm pretty sure for some things I would set the timer just so I could watch the next in a, uh, episode. I don't think I ever recorded Fresh Prince, but... I know Duncan's it, auditioning to be on it all, it all got a lot it all got a lot easier when um when TV guides published the sort of the eight digit recording code mm. oh, video plus video plus revolutionary revolutionary revolutionary, yeah. revolutionary. Um, why don't they just bring although it didn't like I, I thought it was like somehow intelligently linked to when the show came out but yeah. it just sort of it was like a barcode it just sort of meant it's, yeah, it's a barcode. start this time and this time so if they moved the program your video plus code would carefully yeah. record and then half they, an hour of El Dorado that you didn't want. And then they set the they, they added that feature which was starting the recording starting and ending five minutes either side. Yeah. So it would it would kick in five minutes before the barcode's time period. So that should anything happen or yeah, the yeah. or the thing miss its miss its mark. Yeah, it was very, very clever. Um just, just to illustrate the whole waiting thing, my son, um my six year old son uh, who uh, is obviously at home and I'm homeschooling on Wednesdays and Thursdays while his mum's at work. He came in to my uh, to my office about five minutes after I said to him, right, telly's going off for a couple of hours. You can entertain yourself doing something or you can come into the office with me and blah, blah, blah. Five minutes later, comes up the stairs and just goes, Daddy, this might be the hardest time I've ever had. And I was like, what, what's wrong? And he's like, five minutes without telly or YouTube. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I just said to him go away <laughs> I mean, and work down a coal mine go away <laughs> I mean he's not wrong nowadays I'm like I've got five minutes to spare I've got a mobile phone I'll look yeah. up I'll look up the history of asparagus like, like, like if, <laughs> if we're watching a particularly good uh, like video watching tractors mowing grass in Germany yeah. somewhere of which there are <laughs> a, a strangely a huge amount of on YouTube <laughs> Um, yeah, when the advert pops up and it's saying like advert one of two, 30 seconds, he looks like his world has ended. <laughs> <gasps> what is this bullshit? Phone gets handed to me yeah. and I go skip ads, hand it back. Or if it ends, the phone gets thrown and he goes, Digo! <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, then your, your son is Thor. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Another! <laughs> Pretty well. You, I mean, you, you do, I mean, what are you watching? Is that, is that just a tractor mowing grass in Germany? <laughs> and then like 45 minutes later, you're both sat there going, Oh, it's taking out. It's nice. It's really straight lines. Isn't that? Really I think well, yeah. it's like current... a GPS system. It looks like that. It's really look. It's tracking the tracking the amount of trailers at the event. And then, sort of two hours after that, you realise that you've uh, stayed up until three in the morning watching tractors. I wish I wish I had an excuse, but I don't have a kid, <laughs> and I know exactly. But what I you're don't talking think these about. things are these things aren't done for kids. I think probably about sixty percent of the audience of them is is yeah. the pre-six-year-old demographic and associated parents but they're not created for children (laughs) as i say the one thing i can't stop watching is boats like giant ships being beached to be broken down like the idea of just ramming um, this giant ship at a a beach is just does something to me (laughs) my latest procrastination and i i I feel i i I hate myself but i will sit there for ages watching those idiots in cars videos of just compilations of people bumping into each other at traffic lights <laughs> it's basically the same clip a hundred times after which you go no bad do you want everyone do you want to know when it when it got pushed up another level to me is that mm-hmm. if you type in idiots in cars and then your hometown like loads of videos still come up yeah mm. like, ah not only not only am i going to watch some dickheads oh, do I'm stupid just gonna, things i'm just gonna do a yeah. bit of a uh, bit of yeah. live oh. here. yeah london coney roundabout because. nobody ever gets yeah. the fucking lane right do they yeah no bed yeah <laughs> yeah the first one that comes up caught on uk dash cam idiot driver crashes straight into car in hemel hemsley yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. like as soon as you find out that you can you can like oh, you know make that. it loads of this can we can we wrap this up because i want to i want to get <laughs> yeah. on that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll see the other ones. Doctor Who, something else, right, done. Brilliant. Yeah. If you want to feed into anything. <laughs> uh, a couple of points. Um, Dan says, I think this is in regard to Video Plus, films being interrupted by 10 o'clock news. Oh, that was the worst. Oh, oh, that was... was it, Why? Was it, on, it was ITV, yeah. wasn't it, that did that? Yeah. Why start the film before the 10 o'clock news? Like, it's Watershed, wasn't it? It's the 9 o'clock Watershed. You had to get it, like... Yeah, you can... Yeah. Like, if the film was sort of tamed to start with and then had yeah. sexy bits it had to yeah. get split in half by the news yeah like sexy and at that bits. point you're not in the mood for the sexy bits once you found out about the gulf war so like it's, it's like it's very difficult yeah. to yeah. yeah i think you just you just have to power through you know just like you know Ma- you maintain just... a steady pace all the way through the news yeah <laughs> dan yeah. says he still hasn't seen the end of golden child because of it <laughs> <laughs> excellent you win you win tonight well done best best comment best comment of the night we're ready for some doctor who oh yes buckle up guys Indeed. because there this one is relatively historic compared to the others really in terms of sort of like actual cultural significance technical impact this is this is the most significant one it uh, so, kind of created a whole genre of music. They create dance it's, music <laughs> and Pink well, Floyd. electronic. Mm. Mu- what you know, yeah. what what you could call electronic music, even though it was all analog. So this was, is that was basically pioneered here, wasn't it? Yeah. So this is easily the oldest theme on the list. It's potentially one that is the most recognisable as well. It's had a few iterations in the past, but when it changes, it still very much stays the same theme tune. For nearly 60 years, this theme tune has been the soundtrack to watching primetime TV show Behind a Cushion. Theme itself preempts an unknown feeling. I actually wrote some stuff about this. Preempts an unknown feeling from the show, a spooky affair that is as revolutionary as it is memorable. So the theme tune was written Mm. by an Australian composer called Rod Grainer and performed by Delia Derbyshire. Grainer uh, left Australia in 1952 after a stint in the Australian Air Force, picking up a three-month stint playing piano in a nightclub and touring the UK with a comedy act called The Allen Brothers in June, which would see him hit on the head nightly by a falling grand piano lid and then fall backwards into the orchestra pit. Nice. Grainer also... That, made, yeah. I've got a, it, how do you write something like the Doctor Who? How do you write that sound down? We're going we're gonna to get to that. That's crazy. Uh, Grainer also made a run at the Eurovision Song Contest with an entry called Don't Cry Little Doll, which made it to number four in the UK qualifying rounds. <laughs> um, so in well the, done. Yeah, I, think, I think I've done that before. No, that, that seems like very possible. So in 1960, however, he started his career in composing for TV shows. Start with the theme tune to May Gray, which won an Ivor Novella Award, which opened up his career, basically. Uh, from then on, he wrote theme tunes to things like Steptoe and Son, Tales of the Unexpected, The Prisoner, and, of course, Doctor Who. The other partner involved in this is Delia Derbyshire. 
Uh, she joined the BBC in the 1960s as a trainee studio manager after being turned down from Decca Records because they don't employ women. Um, Derbyshire said she developed a love of abstract music because of air raid sirens, calling, saying that during the war, air raid sirens during the war, saying that they were electronic music. Uh, so in 1962, she was one of the few people that actually wanted to be assigned to the Radiophonic Workshop, which is the BBC's Radiophonic Workshop. Did all kinds of things like theme tunes, music, and now you can get like all the samples that... I don't know if it was them that did it, but they did a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, she helped create a, mu- a, a music and sound for nearly 200 radio and TV shows. Uh, in '63, she took the Grainer composed Dr. Heath theme tune and turned it into an early electronic masterpiece potentially the first electronic masterpiece. Uh, Derbyshire took the bare bones of it and made it her own. Uh, when Grainer actually asked if he'd actually had to ask if he'd written it. And then she replied, most of it. <laughs> so Derbyshire, however, then wouldn't be credited till 50 years later with the radiophonic workshop preferring to its members to stay anonymous, which is completely unfair considering how iconic that theme tune is. So how they created it. Uh, each note of the theme was curated by taking a tape of a single plucked note, uh, white noise or harmonic waveforms of test tone isolators used for calibrating equipment. Uh, then the note would be cut, spliced, sped up or slowed down to fit the song. So each individual note of the Doctor Who theme tune was taken and put on a tape basically after having been monkeyed around with. The main pattern itself is the cut from the oscillator that was mentioned before hooked up to a keyboard. So what we have is one of the first instances of using a synthesizer to create dance music or creating something that replicates a synthesizer. Yeah, it's like signal processing, isn't yeah. it? It's sort of taking the... It's using the yeah. the keyboard not as the instrument itself, but yeah. as input into a, yeah. a sort of... like Well, it's not an algorithm, is it? Yeah. But like a, a logic chain well, that yeah. produces the sound. It's crazy. It, the, the methods, I think, at the time... Um, was called a music concrete because mm. it's the construction of using recorded every day or mm. any sound and then turning that sound into a note and that's and that's why it was building building music mm. and it was avant-garde french mm. kind of style but but that's taken to a new level child's play on something like pro tools nowadays well relative child's play i still probably couldn't do it but um but then it was just like if you think about I mean, it, yeah, it influenced Pink Floyd. They come out and say that. And you think about all the videos you see of Pink Floyd putting Dark Side of the Moon together with just, like, rooms of just tape hung up everywhere trying to create these samples. I mean, this was there before that. This was doing that yeah, and this, before that. And this was... It was 100% analogue. There was yeah. no digital processing yeah. in this. It was feeding things through there wasn't oscillators even, and vectorscopes and weird things. This was before multi-track recording even. So to record the final mix, tapes would all be queued up at the same time on separate machines and then several he- people hit play at the same time <laughs> to record this. So, like, um, yeah, it's like how we rec- used to record off the radio by timing it correctly. The Doctor Who theme tune, which is 60 years old, nearly 60 years old, two years away from being 60 years old, um, was recorded in a, in a, in a method that basically had several people hitting play at the same time after each individual note was carefully sculpted. So we, we talk about most of these theme tunes taking like 15 minutes to write or I did it overnight. Yeah. This, this was one, the opposite of work. That. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I say it's hard to overstate the Doctor Who theme tune radiophonic workshop put into this, but artists like Pink Floyd and Aphex Twin have, have name checked this theme tune specifically. Um, and, it just seems like such a crying shame that the person that, that that managed to turn what was would be a fairly ordinary theme tune by the sounds of things, if it wasn't for the electronic influence, didn't get like a name check for fifty years, which is just absolutely crazy. I say that everything on this has some kind of significance, and it's nice that we've got four very different theme tunes. But I mean, in terms of cultural significance, this is probably the most important one. Well, there's also, I mean, the, in our Discord chat, mm. it was highlighted that, was it The Orbital? so upset it, that I didn't go to that. Yeah, The Orbital <laughs> did a massive yeah. dance remix. And I would have, it's one of the best, re, it's a great remix, and I'd it works. And love to have got hammered and then go and see The Orbital playing the Doctor Who theme tune <laughs> in Glas- at Glastonbury. That sounds that, amazing. Yeah. That must have just gone off because... Yeah. 
it's it's got that perfect thwomp to it and yes. yeah i mean i thought it was a, everyone thinks it's a theremin but yeah. it wasn't yeah it wasn't theremin and but i mean you can play it on the theremin but oh, yeah it, yes it's yeah. one of the very few pieces of music that you can play on a theremin without completely fucking murdering <laughs> <laughs> you say that it's quite easy to murder still on a theremin but it's, <laughs> it's um it mm. con it even still sounds futuristic yeah. to this day 100%. It was meant to sound spooky. It sounds it sounds weird still. Mm. It sounds yeah, spooky it, still. It do, it sounds unlike mm. pretty much anything else you've heard of sixty years later. Mm. It must have frightened the shit out of people when it first came around. I remember in the eighties it frightened the shit out of me. And then mm. he was known for writing stuff. I think that uh, one of what did, what did he, he did something for the BBC. Mm. He did um, a lot for the BBC. Yeah, but one Tales of his early. Expected. There wasn't just tales of unexpected. It was something else that he wrote. Hang on, give me a second. That the, the prisoner as well. Yeah, give me a second. Okay. Uh, no, but, you not... know we are doing a live stream, so like, like dead air <laughs> no, kind of isn't was... great. That's why I was kind of trying to fill it. But have have yeah, a second. They're... I'm just going to keep talking if that's all right with you. No, um... it's not. <laughs> Honestly, cheeky ass. Um... Um, that's it. Uh, he also. <laughs> he was involved in the writing of the music of before the sun goes down mm. and which also caused mass panic <laughs> in 1959 because it was so well, the music and the the program itself um it, it it just it caused mass panic and it actually got raised in british parliament about it so he is he was known for these contributions mm. to like dramatic and uh tense kind mm. of things and bearing in mind awesome. he he had minimum effect on something he actually composed this is this is yeah. definitely as much if not more about the yeah but at the same time just what a perfect match that just happened by accident pretty much i forgot there's not, there's yeah. not much greater compliment you can get or a piece of mm. of artwork than getting raised as a problem in the british parliament yeah i shows you're annoying the right people i forgot to mention one of my favorite facts about the fresh prince theme tune in 2013 uh, a student had it as his ringtone. The school phoned uh, the student and they heard what they thought was uh, shooting some students outside of the school. And um, they closed this, they locked down the school at that point and he got arrested. <laughs> of course, because that's not melodramatic <laughs> at all, is it? Yeah. So he was arrested and then he played it and they realised it was the Fresh Prince theme tune and that he wasn't, he wasn't going to go in and kill everyone in the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once again, culturally significant yeah doctor Who. it's an awesome thing pretty too. awesome yeah ready for the last one and yeah okay simpsons <laughs> it is indeed the simpsons theme tune um simpsons. much like the red dwarf theme tune danny elfman was aiming to create something that was a little like had a classic film uh, after watching a rough cut of the intro the first thing that inspired him was the flintstones which makes a lot of sense, really, when you the think about it. It's very similar, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah, silly me. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. Same song. Yeah. Um, so he actually wrote the whole thing on his way home from a meeting and then immediately got in, recorded it. it took him, like, less than a day. Um, it's taken some time. It's taken, like, the amount of times it's been reworked, like, over the 32 seasons of The Simpsons, and it's still probably the same thing. Um I'd say Danny Elfman's probably the most well-known composer on here, depending on how much of uh, maybe Will Smith, actually, but also Quincy Jones, depending on how much of a say he actually had in the Fresh Prince theme. Uh, Elfman, though, was born in L.A. in 1953, growing up a fan of classic sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. After finishing high school, Elfman spent time in France as part of an avant-garde theatre group before travelling to Africa, busking, before he was forced to return home with an illness. Uh, this is where he was asked by his brother to be the musical director of a street theatre group called Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, um, rearranging pieces from the likes of Duke Ellington and Django Reinhardt. Eventually, Elfman took over the singing duties, turning them into Oingo Boingo and, ska, and turning them into a ska-influenced new wave band. And this is where Tim Burton first heard of Danny Elfman. Tim Burton was a fan of the band. So as a result, Tim Burton asked Danny Elfman to score uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure the first film that he asked him to do and from then on 16 films tim fixed 16 tim burton films uh mm-hmm. danny Elfman went on to do uh obviously that includes but not limited to b 
Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas, Mars Attacks, and two incredibly memorable Batman scores, which, you know, had a brief, one of which actually kind of had a brief existence on our uh, top TV theme tunes list, because it's basically the same as the Batman animated series series theme tune. Mm. Um, Mm. He also worked on some cult classics such as Scrooged, Darkman, Nightbreed, Dick Tracy, and this one's for Dan, Midnight Run which I still haven't had a chance to listen to, even though you said it was better than the film, but that's not saying much, I think was how you <laughs> described it. I, I will get around to listening to it, it's just not on Spotify. Um, I enjoyed Dick Tracy. There's not, much, there's not much to The Simpsons story. I enjoyed Dick Tracy as well, yeah. I thought Dick Tracy was all right. I mean, it's terrible, but I enjoyed it. Um, Dark Man, I really enjoyed that. Um, there's not much to The Simpsons, the story of The Simpsons theme tune. Basically, he was asked to make a theme tune, and he made a theme tune, and he did it in like a day. Right, the theme tune. Sing the theme tune. tune. Yeah, and that's actually true. He did kind of sing the theme tune. He sings the only lyric in the theme tune. Uh, All two words of it. Yeah, the Simpsons. Four notes, two words, uh, and he says that those four notes have made him more money than anything else he's done in his career. So he reckons that he got, including composing the Simpsons theme tune. He says because he got singing credits and royalties off the Simpsons theme tune, like saying singing the Simpsons with two mates, basically. He's earned more money from that, including uh, health insurance for 25 years as well, because of Mm. of that. He's earned more money from that than he has anything else he's done. So basically, you get like 50 cents every time an episode of The Simpsons is played anywhere in the world. Yeah. You're going to be doing pretty well. He's worth $75 million, and he says that that's the thing that earned him the most money. That should say everything pretty much, really. That is crazy, considering what his film discography is. And then it's The Simpsons that's just made it. Literally singing the word The Simpsons. It's that's just, like, that's yeah. um, Mariah yeah. Carey levels of, I mean, that puts Mariah Carey in, because she just makes all the monies every Christmas. And she just, and she that one song makes her all the monies. But this is just, eclipses that completely, mm. doesn't it? So, mm. Yeah, it definitely does. Like, he, he literally is... A millionaire. I mean, mostly because he was asked to write the Simpsons theme tune, but but it's that's not what's earning him the money. It's the writing, it's the singing credits. Yeah, and just imagine <laughs> being his mates, where he just goes, "Do you want to come and just do a couple of harmonies on what do I have to do? Literally, just sing the word the Simpsons." All right, cool. And then the amount of royalties you're now getting off of that to basically be set for life for what? Probably an hour's work, if that. Pretty cool. And that's pretty much the story of the Simpsons theme tune. I mean, it's probably the the if if you were to go out in the streets and ask people to hum these four theme tunes, that would probably be the one that people most people could hum worldwide. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, probably the one with the biggest age range of people that you would yeah. be able to ask as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, there was a point when Homer Simpson was more recognisable than Jesus, which should say everything <laughs> about up. like how 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 popular the simpsons is and how ingrained in, in, in culture it is and how the theme tune is a major part of that like everyone i think everyone on this 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 podcast could could in their head like pinpoint exactly what happens at every point in the simpsons theme tune yeah you can map it out can't you yeah exactly i find it i find it slightly interesting without really knowing why that we've got two sort of traditional songs with lyrics and two largely instrumental or entirely instrumental ones in the final it's it's bonkers because it's just ended up this way but all four of these are probably four corners of like different tv themes and it's worked out really nicely the interesting thing about the simpsons was well didn't he also aim for that kind of 60s sitcom type 60s 70s yeah. sitcom and i know yeah, yes saying, it yeah. was influenced by the flintstones but mm. it was because of the so it mm. was again similar in like red dwarf was aiming mm. for something that was retro at the time yeah, anyway so that yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't age mm. and yeah. so we've got something that yeah. they two things that were aiming for going retro so mm. they wouldn't age and then we've got doctor who which was so far futuristic yeah. that it hasn't aged and also fresh prince as well which was you know in terms of tv series revolutionary yeah but that's what's crazy about these and and like you look at the ones that have gone that i'm unhappy about and i'm like yeah there i'm unhappy but these four kind of are the ones that probably deserve to be there yeah there's not been any major upsets i don't think 
No, definitely. But like, I'm sad. I'm sad. The X Files got knocked out. But mm, yeah, probably, well. probably <clears throat> right. I'm pretty certain that was yeah, the number that, one that, single. That, but the thing, yeah. But it, the it thing is, seen. the X X Files yeah. is directly linked to Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. You wouldn't. Yeah, have it, it owes X-Files. a lot to, to Doctor yeah. Who, doesn't it? The yeah. other thing about the Fresh Prince, I suppose, is like Doctor Who. It was, no, it wasn't quite a new genre of music, but it was, it wasn't quite as mainstream mm. as it was new in terms of TV. Yeah, yeah, but it was that. Yeah, especially, and what it did was highlight that you could have rap music on at six o'clock in the evening, and it it's not. It's perfectly safe as well. Like Will Smith, it gets a lot of stick for being a safe rapper. And, you know, I give a lot of that stick, if I'm honest with you. But, like, it's still, like, it still might be a gateway into rap music in the same way that I think uh, something like Into the Spider-Verse, the soundtrack to that, which is all modern hip-hop, soul, R&B artists Hmm. performing on it, but none of it swears. And it's all incredibly good as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't have to have adult content stickers on things to make them good, necessarily. No, but I do like swear words. Here's the question. (laughs) In four years' time when we do this again, four or eight years' time when we do this again, do you think these four are going to be up the top again? I mean, I do. I think think it'll be stuff stuff like The Mandalorian and Game of Thrones that aren't on there when we we do this in eight years' time, Yeah, Yeah. which is quite a depressing vision of the future as well. We're going, to, we're going to try and do different World Cups of over the coming years, I think. Uh, yeah. Got some comments, if you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, always, always. Why? What? what happens if they're the wrong comments? <laughs> then we, then we There's don't no them. such thing. Yeah, um, Jamie says uh, Channel 5 still do this with the news, like midway through films, but the news is only five minutes. But Channel still, 5 still exists? Yeah, Channel 5 still exists. Blimey. Yeah, is Shannon Tweed film still on there? I don't know. That's that 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 was the oh, nice, that was my, oh okay that was my nineties <laughs> for me. I don't know, I don't know quite yeah. you know whether that still works. Uh, Adam Wolford says uh, there's been a few really good shows on theme tunes, music, and films recently. BBC Four recently had a two hour show about scores on films. Was that the Kermode one? Uh, Cinema's greatest. No, but th- those those are great. There's a yeah. bu- there's a bunch of those popped up on Netflix. On- iPlayer that I haven't seen the Kermode yeah, yeah. on He's, cinema. Oh, I mean, I love Kermode anyway. So. Also, there's nothing better than watching a BBC Four documentary to make you feel good about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> um, I am. I am in the intellectual hoi polloi. <laughs> and he says they were. I mean, isn't that what homeschooling should really be? Is just switching on BBC Four, going right. Well, I can't be bothered. There you go. Watch this. Learn something. Yeah, it's that and the 1985, the 46 defense. That's that's what it should be. Yeah. Um, so um, he also says on Netflix there's something about the Nightmare Before Christmas, which had a lot of on Elfman. Yeah, like that was a big deal. The Nightmare Before <clears> Christmas. <throat> he got to perform a song from his own band his old band on there as well he also then says bucky o'hare not even getting in is a disgrace we uh, did talk about bucky o'hare didn't we, we? did and yeah, dan, must yeah. just not must just not got enough votes to to get through to the dan also agrees the stage. he says it's a shame it's been forgotten bucky o'hare let's talk about bucky o'hare quickly then because people have actually brought it up it was a great theme tune yeah Captain bucky. Yeah, yeah but yeah I mean, it was, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, it was good, but like, if I had to choose between that and Red Dwarf, which I suppose is the one it's most similar to, I'd go mm. Red Dwarf. I suppose I it think is. that's the point, isn't it? It's like the, the thing is, yeah. those four theme tunes that we've got are pretty global in their reach. And Bucky O'Hare, while it might be a global, it might have global reach, it's certainly not on the same level as these four. I, I would, would say it probably deserved to get a little bit further than it did. At the very really? least, yeah. or are we just saying that because two people commented? No, no, I love the Bucky O'Hare theme tune. <laughs> like, it's, it's it, one it of, didn't get yeah. through to the group stage, did it? So no. just, yeah, just um, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's your fault for not voting for it. <laughs> to be fair, the person that has brought it up, he 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 was pretty passionate about his get Bucky O'Hare through to the group stages. Uh, I mean, I, I ticked yeah. it, so you know, mm. me too. Me too. Uh, and then also, uh, see, now, now we've opened the floodgates. Jamie says Thundercats was better. Oh, come on. Bucky O'Hare is basically... Thundercats theme tune is not as good as you remember it being. Like everything else about Thundercats. He's going to argue with that one, I think. I'm just listening to Captain Bucky O'Hare just quickly. It's... It's... It's it's, um, uh, Faith No More when they were still doing Epic. Oh my God, it is. Yeah, that's a really good shout. (laughs) It does sound a bit like Faith No More. Um, Oh no, hang on. Um, It's got got the rap break in it as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like it though. Thundercats theme tune's good, though. It's still good. 
it's okay. Uh, as like honestly, go back and watch an episode of Thundercats. It's fucking rubbish. <laughs> okay, you've you've really just you've incited probably some hatred there. I reckon there. It's it's okay. not as but, good as you remember it. But don't, don't don't go back and look at it. Yeah. But we don't encourage the right to reply. So <laughs> that's <laughs> not true. Got, at all. If you've got a problem with the, with the pigs, take it up with your MP, and it will find its way to no, us. we are. I, I absolutely <laughs> love that people are talking to his life. In the, on this team, obviously. I know, yeah. and I am joking. Obviously. I, know, I know, I know. Feel free to engage with us on any of our social media feeds. Yeah, bear in mind how <laughs> passive aggressive you are at the start of every episode about one you watch as you fucks. <laughs> and, and never once call them fucks, although that might work. So, I mean, obviously, you fucks. Why aren't, why aren't, why aren't more people watching this? <laughs> you with your headphones in while you're while you're walking to work, listening to it like some person with ears when you when you've got perfectly good eyes christ we should do we should do an entirely silent episode just yeah. Yeah. people that don't watch just just subtitled just staring mm. i did mean to ask five minutes ish maybe what's what's the one theme that people would like to have seen go through <clears throat> uh, i feel like Mandalorian- i don't know i'd have to get the list up yeah, I feel like right. I feel like I miss that Mandalorian isn't there. I yeah, kind of felt like too. I find it kind of felt like a more modern a more modern song could have done with being here. And if it if it was, I would have wanted Mandalorian to be that. He's literally song. the only modern song. To, yeah. To get to get into something like this and to win something like this, you do need a certain critical mass of like nostalgia, mm-hmm. which yeah. the Mandalorian just hasn't had time to. Cheers. To I missed. I missed that. Cheers didn't make it. That's a good thing. I think, I think that the BBC news music should have got further than it did. Yeah, and maybe something like match of the day yeah match of the day is great as well no no argument there speaking of someone who has and never ever had any interest in football at all yeah i still love match of the day theme tune it's a great theme tune and and it's one of those ones that you did literally don't need to hear too much of it before you know what it is as well well just the little drum roll at the start is enough really yeah you could be in another room and you could hear it come on you'd know that the football's about to be on television which used to be so exciting for me, but now is less exciting. If I'm honest with you, but yeah, well, that's yeah. How I, it would have been nice for Top Gear to get through. I quite enjoy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been unavoidably coloured by the bell endedness of the actual show. <laughs> it's very true. It's yeah. very true. I mean, I would still say one of my favourites still at the moment is Grace's Amazing Machines because it is too niche. Kids, kids, like at no, current kid niche. stuff is just too niche. And, I mean, and it is a very good thing, Jim. I'm also convinced it's the equivalent of Stockholm Syndrome as well. It's just because you're watching it. That's all you guys are watching. That doesn't mean it's any good. It's like Hey Daddy. Watch, watch an episode of Grace's Amazing Machines. It is better than Top Gear. It really is. I don't know. For me, it's always Maddie's Do You Know. Or, do, yeah, do you know? I think she yeah. sings that herself. Does she? Yeah, she's actually singing the, the I, theme tune. I just love the fact that this list of things that go up, things that go down, things that go pop, things that go down, you know. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, keep going. Things yeah, that go because splat, all, things that all go- things in the universe can be categorised into one of the 15 things that she sings about. <laughs> yeah. Let's find out. <laughs> I just like that it's the darkness that do, does Grace's Amazing Machines. It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then the music all the way through is great. Like the whole theme for Speedy is brilliant. And it's not just Stockholm Syndrome. I do prefer that. That is rubbish. Did. That's just someone going, Speedy! Speedy! It's, yeah. yeah, but it's so and, and funny. It's, it's far too, yeah, not enough people have, have seen it. Have I seen know it. it's too niche. You know, niche come back, when we do this in. 20 years all of our <laughs> fans who are currently four will go oh do you remember grace's amazing machines and then we can talk about it if if yeah. you're if, by the way if you're letting four-year-olds listen to this i mean just don't in general jamie does say round the twist should have made it further and i agree with that uh emma agrees with that yeah, I think yeah. So. yeah. round the twist should have made it further shouldn't it or we could yeah. put, it Once that, again. put that down to it sort of being very like an anglo-australian audience but I don't think we we can't really claim that we've got enough of a worldwide audience for that to affect the voting that people no. wouldn't be familiar with it. Round the Twist was a weird show as well. Yeah, oh, it was very weird. Yeah, mm. there was an episode where the whole central mechanic was a boy being able to pee a really long mm. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one time where the older brother's mouth. Oh my god, that freaked me out so yeah. much. Yeah, 
like was like little tiny mouth, and he hit it behind a scarf. I mean, fucking where, mental. Where he, could, <laughs> really he could, where he couldn't say anything without my pants. Without, yeah. without, yeah, my I had, pants. had to end every sentence without, without my pants. And it had the great line: "Oh, we wouldn't bury you without your pants. Without my pants." <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, Round the Twist was a great theme tune. Really, really good. Yeah, that would have been good. Four classics, though. Mm. We're going to get them up tomorrow. Like, I'll get them all up together, so, I think. Well, we're going to be watching with great interest to see yeah, who just, gets through to the final. And I might, I might put them up for a week, maybe. I don't know. Have yeah, give, give people time to, time to get their opinions in. Definitely, Absolutely. definitely. Love it. So there we go. Dan, thank you very much for doing all the deep dive on that and presenting such very interesting stuff about each independent... Um, uh, song that went through it was really interesting you managed to find some really good nuggets there that i really like the doctor who one was the most interesting for me listening mm. to the technology that's why i was silent the whole way through i was literally just like <laughs> yeah fucking hell that's amazing yeah, it's bonkers, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah absolutely bonkers anyway thank you very much for watching if you watched thank you very much for listening if you listened uh we're going to um obviously we're going to, as dan said we're going to stick those up onto instagram and all the other feeds they're going to be up for about a week get your votes in so that we can do the final and uh, find out which one is in fact the best TV theme song in our World Cup of TV themes. Again, thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to say goodbye to the team. Goodbye, Russ. Bye, us. Goodbye, Dan. Bye. Goodbye, Sorry. Duncan. <laughs> One wing. It's goodbye from me. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter with at TMTOH and also look at the Instagram uh, and Twitter feeds uh, to find the Discord link. Join us. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. All sorts of fun, crazy tomfoolery. <laughs> Say goodbye. I'll see you later. Wave to all the YouTubers. Bye, YouTubers. Cue the music. Bye.